Hello, and welcome to Thoughts from the Word, a podcast where I talk about what God is teaching me through the Bible. And the passage of scripture that I would love to talk about today is Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20. And after the past few days of studying this passage, this portion of scripture has been so encouraging to me, and I hope it is for you as well. And as we start our time, I think that we can all admit that there are times when we are uncertain and fearful about certain things. Like the job security that we have. Are we living up to the expectations that our boss has for us so that we can keep that job? Like another thing is relationships. Are we putting enough into our relationship with a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or family to make sure that we have approval and good record on their side. Another one is money. Like that kind of ties into job security, but do I have enough money to stay afloat? Do I have enough money to be able to provide for the people that I love? And I think an overarching theme of fear and uncertainty in this time of this pandemic is just blatant. Like I think all three of those things right now could be greatly stressed and pushed on and hard. But also, I think there is something specifically as Christians that we can struggle with mightily is our own personal salvation. Like, think about these three hard questions. Have I done enough? Like, does God care about me? Have I sinned too much? Now, I don't think any of us would like to process through those questions all the way through. We would want to dive deeply into these three individual questions, but I think that we can see that there is truth in God's word about our personal salvation. Now, through these next few moments, I want to answer a question through the lens of this passage of scripture, and it is this. What can I trust about my personal salvation. And before we start, before we get into it, I want to read the passage in its entirety, and I want to pray for us. So Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible and how good it is. Father, I know as I've looked at this passage, there are things in it that are just not uncomfortable, that are not comfortable and they're hard to understand and discern out and study. But thank you so much for the, just the resources and the spirit in me to, to see these things come alive. Um, Father, thank you so much for the medium to be able to practice um, talking about your word. God, I hope it is encouragement to the ears that hurt hear it, and it would be pleasing to your heart. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let me reread verse 13 for us, and then we'll jump right in. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. So, before we get into this, we see that God makes promises to his people, and to provide um, a greater context. I'm going to read um, the Genesis account in chapter 22, and it's just a few verses. It says this, And the angel of the Lord called Abraham in a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, if you don't know the context of this story, Abraham was, um, you might hear him referred to as Father Abraham. He was the father of the Israelites. And God made to him this promise that he would be uh, a beautiful nation and he would see multiple people come from his line and they would be God's people. And God gifted them a son named Isaac and actually God asked Abraham to offer up his son's sacrifice. And this is the words from God that says, thank you for obeying me. You are blessed. And we can clearly see here that there was nothing off the table for Abraham to keep his faithfulness to God, not even his son, his only son. And as we go back to our text, we can see that um, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Like, God decided to swear by himself, which is something that is so beautiful. Like, when I think of this language of swearing, I think of, like, trying to keep a promise to someone. And one, the thing that came first to my mind was a pinky swear. Um, I know that I still do it with my wife sometimes now, but also when you were a kid, you would make a pinky swear just about something silly or uh, something that you actually wanted to do or wanted that other person to do. And... Just think for a moment how fragile that promise is. Like, I remember also as a kid, like, if you didn't really want to go into that promise, you could just cross your fingers and say, Haha, I have my fingers crossed. I'm not going to go through with my promise. But we can contrast that earthly example of promise with the silly pinky swear by saying that God is trustworthy and he decided to swear by himself, who is perfect and holy 
and trust. And God is trustworthy. And through the rest of this portion of scripture, I can, I can be confident that we will be able to see that. Read with me verse 14. Saying, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. Like, at the beginning of this promise, God made it clear. He said, surely. Like, surely means without doubt. You are certain. And Abraham had reason to believe what God said because God's character is pure. God loves his children. He wants good and pleasant promises to be kept for them. And God's love will never, never fail for us. Just like we can see the example of Abraham trusting in who God is in this beautiful example. Let's move on to verse 15. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the Because of what Abraham held onto, the promise that God made to him was obtained. Like, like I was talking about earlier, God had promised way before, 25 years before, that, his, that this would happen. So he said, surely I will multiply you, I will make you a great nation, and then 25 years of waiting before the promise was actually fulfilled. And I think that we would all agree that patience is something that is so fleeting for us, especially for the days that we find ourselves in. Like we want everything to come true for us as soon as possible, that immediate gratification culture. Like we want the better house. Like we want the better car. Like we want the better job. We want that new relationship. But if we sit at the feet of who God is and patiently endure. We can clearly see that as we practice patience in God and who he actually is, it leads to better promises. Oh, it's so good, so encouraging to know that we serve a God who keeps these promises as we sit on his feet and are character won't actually line up to who God is, but if we remain faithful to him, he will remain faithful to us. Let's continue to verse 16. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. Now, this is such an interesting statement while we are talking about assurance for salvation. Like, I think about when I make a promise to someone who doesn't have all of my trust. Like, we have to conjure up something better than our words. So our words to them don't actually um, make us believe that we're going to make true on our promise. And usually this, this promise that we make, um, it comes out... Um, of a form of an act that you wouldn't normally do for that person. Like if we make a promise that we're going to um, give this company um, 
Just like if you're a business, you're going to give this company $10,000 so that you can see um, them prosper and you don't have a great track record of providing for what you say and what you do, that other business is going to want some assurance that you're going to be able to actually like provide that, like maybe a small down payment or a contract that's signed and dated. But in regard to the certainty of our salvation, the author of Hebrews continues to show us the character of God who, that we serve. And it isn't this broken business type thing. It's this loving creator God who actually wants pleasant and perfect things for us. Like read verse 17 with me. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Like God wants to make sure that we know that he loves us and he will show that through his promises. Like God desires for us to delight in him. I love the way that Hebrews uses um, this language of guarantee in regards to our promises in God. Like when I think of a guarantee, I think of these infomercials that you watch like late at night when you have nothing else to do and you're just eating and trying to be convinced to buy these products. And when you're sitting there and you're on your couch and you're watching these things, you're like, do I need like a ShamWow or like this new knife set? But these people like are making these ridiculous guarantees about these products and it seems good. Now, while I'd not um, condone the purchasing of products from infomercials that made wild guarantees, God's guarantee is solid as rock. Like, think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 25, talking about building houses on either rock or sand. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Like Jesus says here, we must listen to what God's word says and do it so that we can be grounded in him. And the author of Hebrews continues in verse 18. He says, So he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Like God and his word are the only things that will never fail. We must understand that the promises of God are true and we can lean into them. We must run away from our sin and run to the place of refuge that the author of Hebrews is talking about here. And make no mistake about it, the place of refuge is the person of Jesus. And we are called to hold to hold fast to that Hope, And that is where we find our assurance. Like, look at the passage again. 
Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is possible, impossible for God to lie. Like, at the beginning of this verse, the author of Hebrews actually says that it is impossible for God to lie. There is no impurity in our Creator. So that is impossible for lie. We who have fled for refuge. So that is the bit about running away from our sin and running to Jesus. Have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope which is Christ crucified on the cross. Now let's look at verse 19. It says, We have this, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now the author of Hebrews continues to drive this point home of Jesus being our guarantee of our assurance of salvation. And this time it comes through as a form of an anchor. Now normally when you think of an anchor, it's something that drops down off of a boat into the sand so they can hold position in water. But this anchor that, that the author of Hebrews is talking about here is entered into heaven and it's oh it's so good it's it's anchored on Jesus and what he did for us and it's anchored on that hope and that's how we can have assurance of our salvation and this anchor it's sure and steadfast it's immovable and always present and then the author of Hebrews uses the language of this inner place, which simply means that Jesus goes into the Holy of Holies and makes intercession for us by his righteousness. And that makes us righteous. It brings us into communion with God, not so that we can live up to the standard of Christ, but we can strive because he came down for us and went before us as the author of Hebrews talks about in verse 20 where Jesus has gone before us as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek like Christ goes before us to make arguments and secure our eternity he goes before us and I love sports so I like to see this through the lens of sports I like to think about um, Jesus here being a scout it's like going and seeing uh, this talent that um, everybody's talking about like everybody's like oh we need to have him on our team and Jesus is going there to confirm that like yeah we need we need that guy like the the people um, need this person to be on their team for them to be successful but now, while this is a wildly different example for Jesus going in front of us to make intercessions for God, we can see a similar thing because he goes before us to make assurance of our salvation forever and ever. And he is that high priest that we can look to and we can sit at his feet. And it's so encouraging. And these truths are so beautiful, but I want to leave you with two application points. But we started our time with a question, and it's, what can I trust about 
my personal salvation? And I think the answer is simple. The person and work of Jesus Christ are fulfillment of our salvation. Now, I think there are two different directions that we can apply this scripture to our lives. And first, I want to talk to the skeptic. The person who is not in Christ and is questioning everything and doesn't believe. I would encourage you to dive in, to ask questions, and to lean in and to learn about Jesus. Like, just consider the fact that there was a man who had equality with God and came down in the form of a humble servant to live the perfect life and die the death that we all deserve. To the the skeptic, I would ask you to consider that. And now I want to talk to the believer, the person that trusts in Christ and is running away from their sin and running to the refuge. There is no reason to worry because God's character can be trusted. And because of that, because of the assurance of our salvation rests in Jesus Christ and his cross, we can go out and tell people about what he has done for us. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this short episode of Thoughts and Word. I hope it was an encouraging time for you, and I hope that you're continuing to do well.